microphone back on. Okay, everybody hear that? Make sure you've got a Bible. If you don't have one, they're in the back of the room. You're going to need that because we're going to be in the same book we've been studying. So I have a quick question for you. How many of you like magic tricks? Like some of you? So they're all right? What's that? Well, here's the thing. I really like magic, but I have absolutely no magical ability whatsoever. Now, when I was a kid, my parents tried to help me with this. We actually just found this about a month ago. We were, my parents brought me this black box, and it was, it was about that big. It was a square, and it had all these little doors on it. And I remember as a kid, there were like 12 different magic tricks built into that box. Guess how many I mastered? One. That's exactly right. I think I got one of them right. I was horrible at it, but I've always liked to watch magic. I've always been interested in it. So I decided I want to show you somebody who's actually really good at magic. So I want you to watch this clip. The guy you're about to see, he entered the 20, 2018 International Magic Competition for the Up Close Magic. Apparently you can do far away magic and up close magic. And this is the guy that won. So I want you to see what he did in this competition. So go ahead and play that clip. So is that a pretty good magic trick? No, it's like, no. You gotta wonder. Here's the cool thing about that, is that when you just watch it and just see it at face value, it looks like something that's pretty amazing. But you're trying to figure it out. I'm gonna get this. And here's the thing. If we let ourselves just be amazed by it, it's really cool. But if you actually start digging into it a little bit and start looking for the secrets and how the trick was done, you can figure it out. You can figure out that it's not real magic. It's actually stuff that's being done behind the scenes. But nine times out of ten, we allow ourselves to be fooled because we think there's something special happening there when in reality, there's not. And allowing ourselves to be fooled is exactly what Paul is talking about as we jump into the book of Colossians tonight. So let me ask you the questions that I ask you every week we're studying this. I already gave you one answer. Who wrote the book? When did he write it? 60 to 62 AD. Where was he when he wrote it? Yeah, remember, that's a pretty good answer every time somebody asks that. You might be wrong occasionally, but usually Paul was in prison when he was writing books, okay? Do you remember what were the two reasons he wrote it to the church at Colossae? <laughs> to encourage and to what? To warn. He wanted to encourage them, and he wanted to warn them. And warning is what we see tonight. Last week, we saw some encouragement. This week, as we jump into Colossians chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 4 through 8, and we're going to see Paul is warning them about some things they need to look out for. So I'm going to ask you guys to do what I ask you to do every week. I'm going to ask you to stand in the honor of God's word being read, and Miss Danielle Thomas is going to come up here and read for us tonight. Come on up, Miss Danielle.
right, thank you, Miss Danielle. Y'all can have a seat. Do you guys need a little more light in here to see your Bible? Is it too dark where you're sitting? What's that? Yes? No? Yes? No? You're good? Okay. All right. So Colossians chapter 2. So we've been going through here, and, and Paul has been writing to this church. He's been encouraging them, and tonight we see that he starts to warn them, and he does it right there in verse 4. He jumps right into it. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Now, when we start in the, in the beginning of a verse, but it almost looks like Paul is starting in the middle of a thought there. So let's jump back to see what he has been saying. He says, I say this in order. Well, what has he said? He said what we talked about last week in verses 1 through 3. Let me read those for you. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if last week we talked about how the struggle is real and how Paul was talking about the struggle that he's had, his struggle to share the gospel of Jesus with people and his desire that this church that he's writing to, all these people that he's never seen face to face, all these believers, his desire is that their hearts be knit together as one. And he tells them there in those first three verses that that's going to happen. Their hearts are going to be knit together. They're going to be brought together in Christ as their knowledge of Christ grows, as their knowledge in Christ grows. Remember, that's what he talked about last week when he was saying this mystery. He referenced a mystery three different times, and he summarized it right there in verse 3. It was the mystery of the knowledge in Christ. He's telling them these things because there's clearly people who are in this church who are trying to lead people astray, to convince them of things about God and about Scripture that aren't true. He's saying, don't be fooled. Don't be taken in by a trick. Don't think just because something looks good on the outside that it's something that you should follow because it's not always what God's Word actually says. And, and that applies for us too. There's going to be times that you hear people talking about God and talking about God's word. And if you don't pay close attention to what's being said and what's being done, there are those who are going to try to slip things in that are not biblical. For instance, has anybody ever heard this phrase before? God helps those who help themselves. Have you heard that before? Is that in scripture? No, it's not. It's actually a misquoted line from a Greek story about Hercules that says, the gods help those who help themselves. But I can't tell you how many times I've heard that phrase in my life, and that phrase is not actually in Scripture. Now, I'm not saying people are throwing that out, saying that's Scripture, and you need to believe what that says, but I'm saying if you don't know God's Word, if you're not on guard, if you're not looking for the things that could be a problem, you might miss them, and you might get tricked. You might get fooled by something that is not clearly obvious if you're not paying attention. He's telling us, you know, people are going to take verses and they're going to use them out of context. I can't tell you how many, <laughs> well, I'm not even going to go there. There's a lot of people that will take a verse and they will say it means one thing and it has nothing to do with what they're talking about. That's why you have to spend time in God's Word. That's why you've got to study Scripture so that you know what it says, so that you're not fooled the way that he's talking about here. Because if you're not on guard, if you're not careful, you're going to be deceived. And I'm not even talking about things that are way out there, like somebody coming to you and saying, Jesus was an alien and that's how he got here. 
And then he, when he lifted back up into the sky, he just got on his spaceship and took off to his own planet. There's people out there that believe that kind of stuff. But it's not those outlandish things that are going to fool you. It's the subtle things. It's the little twists. It's the little turns of what Scripture says that if you don't know God's Word, you're going to be fooled. I've heard this quote before. I don't know where it came from, but it sticks in my head. And it's this, is the best lies are almost completely true. Think about that for a second. The best lies are almost completely true. And that's what happens when people start to distort God's word. Somebody that does it well, somebody that's prepared, somebody that has gotten themselves ready to share something false with you, they'll sound good. And it'll sound like what Scripture says, except for that one little thing. Guys, we saw it back in the Garden of Eden with Satan. When he came to Eve and he says, didn't God tell you? And then he takes Scripture and he twists it just a little bit. And in doing so, Eve was fooled because she didn't remember specifically what God said. Paul's saying you've got to be on guard because there's going to be people who are in your midst who are going to twi twist the Word of God even just a little bit. And if you're not careful, you're going to be fooled. And then you're not going to be following the God that is explained in Scripture. And then he goes on in verse 5. He says, for though I am absent in the body, he's reminding them, I'm not there. I wish I could be there. He says, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. So Paul is expressing his desire to see them, but he's also trying to encourage them. And, and he's doing this. He, he uses some word pictures here. And I love it when Paul does that because I need to see things to understand them sometimes. And Paul gives us a picture. He talks about the good order and faith. These, these terms that he's using here, good order and firmness of your faith, the, these are kind of military terms that he's using here. And if you know anything about the military, a, a, good, a good army, a good military body, this is a group of people that train over and over and over and over. So when the day comes that they need to move into action, they're ready. They are ready to stand firm. They are ready to hold to their position. They are ready to take their post. And they are ready to do exactly what they've been trained to do because they have prepared themselves and they've gone over it and over it and over it and over it. They're firm in that. And that's what Paul is saying about us right here, that as believers, we're like soldiers. That's, that's why Scripture tells us we're supposed to put on the armor of God. We keep seeing this soldier picture pop up over and over because we are supposed to train ourselves, Scripture says, for godliness, for holiness. And as we do that, we prepare ourselves so that when things come at us that aren't what God's Word says, so when people try to trick us about who God is, so when we see things that go against who God is in His Word, we're able to stand firm in our faith and we're able to stand together in our faith. He's giving us those word pictures so that we know exactly what He's talking about here. And then He goes on and He continues. He gives us a little bit more of a word picture in verses 6 and 7. He says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
he's using more words here to, to draw our attention to the previous verses. He says that word, therefore. So he's bringing us back to what he just said in verse 5. He's telling us, because of what you've heard so far, because of the struggle that I have for you, because of the strength of your faith and your conviction, he's saying, remember that moment. Remember that moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Remember what you heard, what you believed, what you understood that convinced you in your mind and in your heart that Jesus was the way to salvation. He's saying stand firm in that, rooted in that is what he's saying there. I, I brought this up here tonight because if you guys remember, do y'all remember when we did this a couple years ago? What, what was this from? Yeah, it was from D-Now. And, and what does that word say? Rooted. Can anybody tell me what the verse says? It is in Romans. Wait, what is it, Nathan? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect rooted. That's the word Paul uses right here. What that means, guys, is that you're not carried along by everything that sounds cool, everything that sounds fancy, everything that sounds new and different because you haven't heard it before. It means you are rooted in what you know to be true. That's why he uses these different words. He says, walk in him. I, I read that word there, those couple words, walk in him, and here's the picture I get in my head. Because all of my children have been very small at one point in time, even though Nathan's taller than me now, and Jared's not far behind me, wherever you are, all right? But I picture a little child walking behind a father. And, and you may have seen this, you may have done this, where your dad's stepping, and you're trying to step right in his footprints. And you're trying to take every step, just like he takes. And you're trying to mimic and do everything that he does so that when somebody looks back, then they look for footprints. They don't see those tiny little footprints. They only see the big ones because that's where you stepped. That's the picture I get when I read those words. It says, walk in him. That, that we are so enamored with who God is that we are following in his footsteps every step of the way. That the way he moves, we move. The things he does, we do. The way he leads us, that's where we go. So that we are walking in who he is because we so desire to follow after him. That's what Paul's helping us understand here. He says, walk in him. Walk in what you know to be true. Be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Rooted, established. Anybody have any old trees in your yard? A couple of you? Have you ever tried to walk up to one of those trees and push it over? Anybody succeeded? Yeah, probably not. Not if it's a tree that's alive. I grew up out in the country just north of Gainesville, Florida, and my grandparents had this huge farm. And there were a couple trees in my granddad's front yard, and one of them literally, I mean, you walk up to it, you couldn't put you, this, this would go about halfway around that tree because it was that big. And I remember we would try to climb that tree. We would do all kinds of things to that tree. And not once did that tree ever budge. Because those roots went deep. And those roots held that tree into the ground so that no matter what we tried to do to it, that tree wasn't going anywhere. It was firm. 
Guys, the roots of a tree are so strong, maybe you've seen this, they will bust up concrete as they grow where they want to grow. When you are rooted like a tree, like, like this picture, you're immovable. That means when things come to you that, that are contrary to God's word, when people come up with ideas that sound really cool or sound really interesting, but aren't really what scripture says, you're not moved by those things. You're not tricked. You're not deceived by those things because you are rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Paul is telling them you need to be that. And ladies and gentlemen, so do we. We have to be rooted in what we believe. We have to know what scripture says because if we don't, Somebody's going to tell you something one day and it's going to sound interesting. And it's going to be a different viewpoint of God that maybe you've never heard before. And because of that, you start to chase it and you start to pursue it. But if you don't ever come back and check it against the word of God, you might be fooled. Paul says, don't be like that. We've got to be on guard. We've got to be careful. And then he finishes with this last verse. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ Paul brings everything he's been talking about in these verses so far home right here in this last one verse he says it again don't be fooled because there's going to be a lot of different things that try to grab your attention philosophy I'm going to tell you right now, you may catch some of this in middle school and high school. You will see this in college or out in the workplace. You're going to meet people that have some way different ideas than you do about God. Way different. And they're going to sound interesting. And if you're not rooted in Scripture, you may start to pursue those if you're not careful. And the problem, the danger with doing that is even those those sound even though those things may sound cool it's not what the word of god says you've got to be rooted here he talks about the philosophies he talks about empty deceit they're just straight up going to lie to you well the bible doesn't say that show me where the bible says that even though they've never done the research themselves it says empty deceit it says according to human tradition oh gosh churches are so bad about this I'll be the first one to admit. Human tradition. There are things that you have probably experienced, those of you who have grown up in this church, and you've probably wondered your entire life, why do we do it that way? And the answer you've probably heard before is because that's the way we've always done it. And there may not be a biblical reason for it. It just may be, it's human tradition. That doesn't mean it's wrong, but sometimes those human traditions can be wrong. I served in a church. If you go read James chapter one, it talks or James chapter two, it talks about not showing partiality to people in church. I served in a church where when a special guest came in, a big deal was made and literally a spot was reserved down front for them to sit and a parking spot was reserved in the parking lot. Why is that person any more special than anybody else that shows up in God's house that day? See what I'm saying? Human tradition, while not a bad thing, maybe even looks like a good thing, can run contrary to Scripture. That's why we've got to know what the Word of God says. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you've got to ground yourself so that you are not fooled when other things come along. 
So the question is, how do you do that? Well, I've talked about one of them a lot tonight. You need to know the Word of God. That means you need to spend time in it. That means I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell you over and over and over. When I get up here on this platform and start to preach, please open your Bible. Please check what I'm saying because I could make a mistake and I could get it wrong. I hope I don't, but I'm human and we're all fallible. Any pastor you ever listen to, don't ever take what they say at face value. Open your Bible and read it yourself. I would encourage you, get a study Bible so that you can see the notes and understand it a little bit deeper so that you can really see if that pastor is saying what God's Word says. You've got to study God's Word. You've got to spend time in God's Word because the best defense against bad teaching is hearing good teaching. Think about that. You guys that play sports, you know the, the, the best defense is a good offense, right? That, that's, that's the way it is in God's Word too. If you want to be able to recognize bad teaching, guess what? You need to know good teaching. If you want to recognize false doctrine and false theology about who God is, you need to be able to recognize true doctrine about who God is. So the first thing you need to do is you need to spend time in God's Word yourself. That's true for every one of us. The second thing is you need to spend time with other believers. You need to. Because guys, it's easy to be fooled. It's easy to be tricked when we're trying to do it by ourselves. But when you've got other believers that you surround yourself with, other people that are pursuing Christ, other people that are studying God's Word and trying to be rooted and grounded and built up in Him, then you've got an army to help you. That's how we keep ourselves from being fooled. That's how we know what the Word of God says. We spend time in it and we do it together. Paul tells us here, if you are a Christian, then Christ is in you. And I want to challenge you with something tonight. In a minute, we're going to get up and we're going to sing. And we've got good songs. But I want you to take in a minute and I want you to ask yourself, is there anything, any false doctrine, anything that I know Scripture doesn't say that is pulling me away from God? And, and, and listen to me. That doesn't just mean something I've heard in church. It means a conversation you've had with a friend. It means a relationship that you're in that doesn't necessarily honor God. That's false. That's deceit. It means any area of your life. Is there anything that's happening that I'm putting my belief in, my trust in, that's contrary to what God's Word says? Because if there is, then guess what? You are being fooled. You are being tricked. And my challenge for you tonight is don't let that keep happening. Spend time in God's, God's Word. Spend time with other believers so that they can help you stand firm in your faith. And if you've got anything tonight that you want somebody to pray for, and when I say somebody, I mean myself and one of the other leaders if it's appropriate, that's what those yellow cards are for. Write down your prayer request while we're singing. Don't be embarrassed. Nobody's going to think weird of you if you come up here and drop something in the basket while everybody's singing. That's what it's for. So that we can pray for you. So that we can do this walk together and encourage each other the way Paul is seeking to encourage and warn these believers and us. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you that we can be here tonight, Lord. God, I pray that you'll help every one of us. Help us to submit to your word. Help us not to be tricked, not to be fooled. God, sometimes we do it willingly. 
because we want to pursue the things that we see. God, help us to stand firm, every single one of us. God, I pray, as, as Danielle prayed, if there's anybody in here tonight, Lord, they don't have a relationship with you through Jesus, God. They've never put their faith and trust in you. Ask for forgiveness of sin through your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you'll give them the courage, the boldness. I pray that you'll draw them to yourself right now, tonight. And if that's you when you're here tonight and, and, and you want to find out what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple as I've talked about, when the music starts, I'm going to be standing down front over here on the right side. Just come over here and talk to me for a minute. I want to help you understand what it means to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Because that is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for your word. I thank you for this fruit. It's in Jesus' name we pray.